Welcome. Super excited to be here today. We have a special guest. All our guests are special. What are we going to say? We have like a basic guest. Like I don't, we always say, anyways, we have a special guest. <laughs> Super excited to have Laquana here. Um, she's going to tell you more me. about herself. Um, but we met in the gym. We met in the gym and athletic form and we learned a lot about each other in those like in between classes and stuff. And mm -hmm. I just always gravitated towards you. I'm sure everyone does. You're oh, so beautiful, you. so wise, so uplifting. Um, and then I got to learn more about your story around co-parenting. So it's like, yes. okay, we got to have you on here. You always are dropping gyms. So want to bring you here for our guests to learn. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Laquana. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate you. <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, so who is Laquana? Wow, that's I, I know that's kind of complex. I think I'm just now discovering who Laquana is. Um, it's just like this post-COVID thing of being able to sit in my solitude during COVID, uh, reinventing of who I am because I became an empty nester. Okay. Um, and then also my partner left me. Okay. So it was more of a time for me to really buckle down and say, well, who is Laquana? So who is Laquana to me? Okay. I would say is fun, loving, caring, someone who's about her business, mm -hmm. someone who loves her children, mm -hmm. um, someone who what's important to me is family and spending time with my children because my children are gone. They're not living in Seattle. So I'm alone. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm still trying to figure out who this little girl is inside of me. Mm. I'm still trying to uncover who she is. I like that. At 42. Girl. Okay. 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 <laughs> of course you don't look at it. Of course you don't no, look you don't. at it. No, no. I was saying the first thing, little girl. So are you trying to tap into childhood like memories, childhood feelings? I am trying to figure out for myself is what's making me behave certain ways. Mm -hmm. So undoing trauma okay. um, and trying to figure out for myself as well of, you know, I've always lived in the survival mode. So trying to figure out, well, who would this little girl really love to be as an adult? Mm -hmm. So that's what I'm doing right now. So I'm living... Mm -hmm. Limitlessly. Limitlessly. Yeah. Already <laughs> dropping the gems. I'm like, I love that. I love it's like giving her a voice and really listening so you can figure out that next phase. Right. What does that look like for you? I know we're kind of skipping ahead. We'll jump right back. Yeah, no, what does that look for me right now? <laughs> yeah. Um I say right now is that I just finished grad school. Okay. Um, so I put myself through grad school during COVID. Got bored. That was one of one of the I things. Got bored, got a grad I got school. bored and I didn't do that. Black women, do we go get degreed? I know. <laughs> I'll never get this degree one time. Right. So I finished grad school. But right now I just started a new job in March mm -hmm. and I'm traveling. I'm a regional manager. I'm in pharmaceutical industry and I work with mm -hmm. Lou Gehrig's to get disease patients. Wow. So I'm just really uncovering that. But along the way of traveling. So I leave to India in September. So I'm really okay. just putting myself out there to explore and get more cultured. Mm -hmm. Like I said, back to finding out who I am. And well, you said you're going where? I'm going to India. Oh. Yes. <laughs> what part? So I am, there's four different towns. I can't even pronounce the names of it, but I know one of them I is know like. I Bombay is one of them. Yes. Okay. So there's like four different places we're going, but we're going with Seattle University. I'm going with Seattle University. It gave me a, a, the opportunity as an alumni to join them on their programs for their extended learning program. Nice. So they said, yeah, I could go. So I'm going, and then I'm going to stop in Dubai and hang out in Dubai for four days. Mm -hmm. See, this is what I'm talking about. This is why we have Laquan on the show <laughs> right there. So you said, which disease was it? I didn't hear the disease you said you were working on. Lou Gehrig's Lou disease. Gehrig. Do so you know what ALS, you know, the buck, no, ice I've, bucket I've challenge? No, I've heard that disease, something like Lou Gehrig's disease. But what is it? So Lou Gehrig's disease is a neural disorder that pretty much, you pretty much die from suffocation. So everything from your lower limbs, your neurons die off. So your body doesn't communicate to move your legs or the muscles to move, oh. to tell your lungs to move, to breathe and breathe out. So the patients pretty much suffocate 
Um, oh, but they normally say if it starts in the upper body of their face and I've have patients that I'm working with as young as like 25 years of age, it's, it's the most heartbreaking space to be in, but I get to help these neuro neurologists mm -hmm. get patients on therapy, fight the insurance companies. And so I do that I cover seven States and I've been in the pharma field for 15 years. Wow. Um, I think this is the space that I love to be in. It's a small startup. So it's just, it's giving me a chance to post grad to really put a name to myself and put that black woman at the, at the table. Yeah. So I'm super ecstatic about that. At the table. I love yeah, that. I love yeah. that. I just got one more question about it. And we could get into No, no, we can stay. Why did you get into that? Why Lou Gehrig's disease? Why Lou Gehrig's disease? So I was working, I've always been in very rare diseases. Um, but this company is a small startup, 200 people I work from. Um, mm -hmm. My CEOs are 32 and 34 years of age. Mm -hmm. And it's, they're open to the idea of just like what's new. They're not old, traditional, old ways of pharma. And so when I found out it was Lou Gehrig's and I did the research of, okay, what will I be doing? It gives you purpose to life. Mm -hmm. And it makes you not forget anything. You mm -hmm. wake up in the morning, you're blessed. You put your feet down, you're blessed. These people can't even drink out of straws. Um, let alone lift their hands. They lose their voice. Their eyes imagine. might just move. So, and they die within two to five years. Of finding out their diagnosis. Of their diagnosis. I can't even imagine like waking up and you can't do nothing. Yeah. That's normal. Yeah. Like, not normal, but just like you take for granted. Yeah. Man, so it's a, it's terminal. It's terminal, yeah. Wow. They They die fast. I, I started with this company in February and there was a patient I was working with and within two weeks he was gone already. Wait, Jeez. so, okay, not, yeah. not that this is a science healthcare podcast, but <laughs> since we're here, kind of. uh, you know, we'll be whatever you need it to be today. But anyways, um, what? So, uh, wait, hold yeah. on, hold yeah. on. So, the is this a genetic disease? Like, you have it's in genetic, your genes? It's not... So, it's, there, it's, it could be two different parts. It is genetic to a certain extent if you have a certain type of uh, build out, but then also to like in Guam, it's a high percentage of it. It if we could go down the whole, I, I'm, I like science, and yeah. we could talk more about that. I don't want to get too much down in the weeds with it. No, it'd be the late night but, version of the show, um, <laughs> right? But it's just really environmental, and that's why working out and doing things, make sure my body is right because environmentally so many things can affect us. And okay. so this is what they're thinking. They're not pretty sure, but if there's a large population of this disease in Guam and there's a lot to do with like blue algae. So there's all kinds of different things they, they don't know yet, mm. but they know when they've done studies that it has showed that blue algae, green algae, all those things could have something to do with it. And so it's just a rare disease. They're just trying to figure it out. Blue algae, green algae. So it's like, water ocean yeah it's stuff. environmental it environmental, could be it yeah. could be athletes that have had an injury it could be soldiers from being in different places they just don't know they just know that they see it and so if they're younger a lot of times there's a family history so they'll test to see if the person carries the chromosome or whatever for it um and then they just kind of watch those patients but there's some people who have it and they don't even know why they have it so there's not a way that they can get down to the nitty gritty and say, oh, we could do this, we could do that. No, there's only three drugs in the market right now for these patients. And all it does is extend life by an extra four years. I'm oh, no, sorry, four months. So once you're diagnosed, that's wow. it. Four months? Four months, yeah. Oh, dang. Co-parenting. So on yeah, that note, right. I'm just kidding, I'm just go pick up your kids. I know, yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Thank you for sharing that because like I mentioned, I just heard Lou Gehrig's disease, but I never knew what it was yeah. and then like it's not really discussed like the way it needs to be apparently right. based on your description like yo pay yeah. attention to like signs and but it's for, rare yeah it's, it's rare disease it's, it's rare. Rare. Okay. rare but there's large like pockets of it in different places <laughs> it's so it's rare <laughs> it's very rare right. okay um, what, what a powerhouse yeah. 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 yeah wow so. 
There's a lot, a lot of complexities to me. I just don't talk much about them at the gym. We talk gym. Never. Yeah, no, <laughs> that's, well, not with me anyway. Yeah. 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 The treadmill talk about Lou Gehrig's disease on the elliptical and nothing like that. So. They're like, right. what? Yeah. Right. I have oh a slew foot. Something's going on. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> my foot fell asleep. We're like, what's going on? And we good. We start coming to you. We're going to say, wow, okay, so <laughs> you're a powerhouse in the healthcare industry. Um, you've just gotten your what, what degree? I got my executive leadership MBA. All right. What does that mean? So for me, what it means for me um, is interesting because I just came back from Boston and um, our head, he, before I leave, he always goes, are you happy? Hmm. And so I said to him, you've asked me every time I come back to Boston, am I happy? What is that about? And Hmm. he says, we can't lose you. Oh, wow. And I I don't plan on going anywhere. I really plan on uh, putting myself at the table. So rather I'm the VP of patient care services, rather I'm in charge of helping them do analytics Mm -hmm. and data, I know that this black woman will be at that table. Um, I work in an industry where there's it's very high demand. Well, it's all white men Mm -hmm. and white women. There's not very many of us in this company, which is so interesting, is that our HR person is she's a sister some of the sales reps like I get to see people that look like me but we don't never have anybody like us at the head and so with me going to get my executive MBA and leadership it was just like okay I can get that business part that I need that was missing Mm -hmm. but also I just I want to be at the head of the table Mm -hmm. I want to help make some of the decisions and bring more people in like me to have these jobs because we need to take care of each other so yeah that's what that looks like so balance Mm -hmm. how that I know (laughs) You talk about getting degrees. I know. You're a mama. Yes. You got you like empty nester. Yes. You just get degrees off the whim. So how what's your system like to balance all these things? Especially since you care about every single thing that you're doing. She's in the gym a lot too. In the gym. She has a great social life. Yeah. She'd be traveling. She was in yeah. Ghana. Yeah. Going to India. Going yeah. to India. Balance. That's a good question. I think what that balance looks for me is what makes me happy and loving and myself important to my cup. Mm-hmm. Um, and my balance is making sure no matter what I have to train every morning, whether it's a morning class. Like today, I got back in from Boston super late. I was I slept in, but I was like, you're going to get to the gym. So I got did a noon class. So I have to work out to keep my mental Keep my mental right. Otherwise, I'm moody. Um, okay. And then just with my kids, it's, 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 it's interesting with my children being gone. Um, I told my daughter, I said, I don't hear from you very often. Mm. And I'm like, pick up the phone, just say, you know, good morning. But I do like every morning, like, which is so interesting to me as a kid that I, I don't even call my grandmother or anybody saying I love you. Mm. And that's a word that we expressed a lot in, with my, my family. And so I always text my kids, mama loves you. Let me know if you need anything. Um, my son's home, so our time is sitting down and eating dinner at the table. That's yeah. a standard with, without the TV on. Um, That's so cool. Just implementing things that makes me happy mm-hmm. is balance for me. And anything else outside of my children and what makes me whole is just the added bonus. So if you're trying to get down the road of dating life, like, I don't know what that looks like. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Right. We'll, we'll, we'll be talking about that. <laughs> yeah. We'll be talking about that. Yeah. Um, on, on the topic of the kiddos, right. Mm-hmm. It's clear that there's, they mean so much to you. What, what's the dynamic been for you? Like co-parenting or, you know, how was the, you know, yeah. beginning of your parenthood? So I became a mother at 16 years of age. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, which was interesting. Uh, okay, statistic. With my, what? yeah, <laughs> it is a You know, my son reminds me. Mm. He says, "Mother, we shouldn't be here today." Exactly. No, that's why I said it because you mm. clearly just broke down all the walls. And yeah, all the and my son reminds yeah. me of that very frequently. He says that to me. Um, 
but we thought we were in love. Mm-hmm. Um, his, in the, in the, father? the father, yeah. Okay. Um, his family, oh my gosh, like without his family, I, I don't know. I wouldn't probably know what family really looked like if it wasn't for his family. Mm. So my daughter is part Filipino. Her, okay. So her father is Filipino, but her father also helped me raise my, my youngest, my mm-hmm. son. Um, so when we separated, he left, which this is like a pattern in my life. So clearly I have some undoing, but when he decided to leave, it was difficult co-parenting. I think the co-parenting really came from his family, like picking up the pieces where he couldn't, mm-hmm. he couldn't hold his end of the, the bargain up. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was difficult, especially being so young. Yeah. I, I was young. I was still in college. I remember the words he says, all you do is work and go to school. I was like, yeah, but you know, what else we're going to do? I have a kid. I have to work and go to school. Mm-hmm. Um, so his family like helped out a ton. Okay. What did that look like? It looked like from the fact that I still had a life. Mm-hmm. I still was able to join a sorority. Oh, wow. I was still able to do school. Okay. Um, if Nay needed to spend the weekends with them, that was that was like not a problem. My, when I had my son and my son is not even their family, like he, they took them to the Philippines for the whole entire summer. So oh, I had cool. the whole entire summer to me. So without that support that's system. Cool. That's powerful. Um, man, you know, it was a major like because I didn't have that on my family's okay. side. I didn't. My mother was a recovering drug addict okay. and she had just got clean and sober when my daughter was six years of age. So where Caesar, I'm just say his name where he couldn't pick up uh, the end of his bargain his father did and his father still does um shout out to the grand yeah like he's a phenomenal man and so we're co-parenting for us come into places like well what do you what do the kids need Mm -hmm. and they they stepped in aunts Mm -hmm. uncles cousins stepped in and um helped out until he was able to decide that he wanted to kind of step in that's so cool if that makes sense so you had like a village most definitely i had a village do you feel like you're that the culture with the Philip, your, the Filipino side of your daughter's family, they that had played a role in how they saw their role in supporting the children. Most definitely, I, I and it's and it's, yeah, it's in, and that's in a whole another topic too. Um, culturally, I think because diff, it's different dynamics for them. Family is very important, and the family will not be broken up, irregardless of what the situation may be. Mm. And we will always be there. We will always provide. Um, we will always respect each other. Mm. We will always powwow together. So I still did Christmases with them. Um, I eventually stopped doing those things with them when he's, um, their, her son started dating. And then immediately I knew too, when things were going South for us, like to where we couldn't even really have conversations that it was time for me. It was probably best for me just to kind of do my, I call it going into the Homer Bush. So just kind of disappearing. Oh my God. Going go go into the Homer Bush. The Homer Bush. Oh, the, oh, yeah. oh, 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 oh sinks that. into that, that awkward emoji. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, oh, okay. Yes. That's funny. So okay. when, you know, things were changing for him, um, and I was young, I was mm-hmm. young with these two children and mm-hmm. trying to manage life and um, just went into my Homer Bush. So that's when co-parenting changed significantly as well, because showing up, the kids showing up to holidays wasn't Laquana's going to bring them to holidays. It's like, so when are you going to come and get them? Mm. Oh, you, oh, you want me to do stop what I'm doing to bring them to you? Mm. No, I don't think that's going to happen. So you better have your dad come and get them. Oh, wow. So that's, it, it turned to that. And it was like that for a while. And I think it's because he was just trying to figure out who he was as a person. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, what, what, where did the change happen? Um... 
I'm gonna tell all this man's business. He about to be so mad at me. Well, but you know, we what? don't want you to do anything that <laughs> would make things too hard for it you won't. guys to navigate yeah. the world. But I, yeah, yeah, I just think for him that you know when it comes sometimes they just don't want the responsibility. Mm. And so it wasn't until my daughter got older that I was like, okay, and my son's playing basketball. I was like, well, it's, I need to be here. They're not little anymore. Mm. Like, I got to be present. Be more engaged. I got to be engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when my career had really started taking off as well. So it was like, I need you to pack your bag. You have to spend the night at my house. Mm. Okay? I'm going to be gone for two days. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to feed them. They need to be dropped off here. Okay. And so he would stay at my house. Okay. So we had to change it. And he he was like, all right, cool. Yeah. That, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And it's as I got older, I think when they were younger, it was just like, he was kind of just, we were young. Right. We were yeah. young. Yeah. What is the expectation of that? You can't. You don't know. You don't yeah, know. Yeah. You can't you don't put know. that on You're there. young. You're still growing. Right. Our, our yeah. front frontal lobe is probably still developing. It's still. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so what, what was that dynamic like? Like, and what do you think maybe you had a shift within mm-hmm. yourself or with interacting with your, your ex to get you guys to a point where you could at least kind of Co-parent. partner a little bit more? Mm-hmm. I, I, for me, I had to control my temper because okay. I had a horrible temper and attitude with him. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to also think too, at this time too, in my, within my career, I was traveling a ton with work. This is when my, job my territory was getting bigger I was traveling I was having overnights I would have to leave mm-hmm. and I was like listen we got to make this work this yeah. is the things I need you to help me with mm-hmm. um and if he couldn't do it my mother would step into the uh, in the picture and help out but he was just like all right now mm-hmm. now it may not have been done the way how I would like to do it and I think that's another thing too with co-parenting we have to stop wanting our co-parent to do things how we do it right like, you know, I would always say, well, they, here's the things that they need to do. They need to be bathing, they need to be fed this time. The homework needs to be checked. And I would have this expectation of him to be me. And mm-hmm. I had to give him grace as I reflect back on that. Mm-hmm. Give him grace is that he only knows what he knows. And I can't put, because I do things a certain way that he does in the exact way without me getting pissy or having an attitude or causing mm-hmm. conflict between us and just kind of just letting it flow, mm-hmm. which is part of growth, you know, mm-hmm. um, and we got to that point to like, even we're not together and he's staying in my home with my yeah. children days at a time, which I thought was awkward. Sometimes he was like, you have your ex living in your house with your kids because they can't go to his house and they're, he's going to come to your house and stay at your house with the kids. And there was times I would always say, well, why can't they just go to your house? Why you got to come in my space? You know, mm-hmm. but then I had to tuck my pride and make sure my kids were happy. It wasn't okay. about anything else. It was about my kids. Right. Okay. That's beautiful. I love that self-awareness um, around like, okay, what are the things that like I had to shift or manage and such? And um, did you ever did you ever get a chance to kind of dig deep into like what caused the frustration and the anger? I mean, I have an idea. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> did you um, ever get time to really like sit with that, maybe even process it with him? Not process it with him, but express it to him. Yeah, I think that didn't happen until after. I think my son was in eighth grade when okay. we finally had a conversation because it was at that point too. Now the kids were older, um, the dynamics were changing. It wasn't that he could he had to come to my house to stay with me traveling. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother like stepped in and started helping with stuff because he he had a partner, and mm-hmm. so um, they couldn't go to his house because they didn't have beds and all those things that kids need to go and stay at their partners at their co parents' house. Um, and I I just wanted my my kids were into sports like my kids had a busy 
my biggest fear was losing my son to the streets. So I kept him busy. My daughter, I kept her busy. And and it wasn't, oh, the boy gets this, the girl gets that. Like, no, what activities are we doing? (laughs) This is how we worked. And so I just had to find someone to help me do that. Um, And I think that once my son was in eighth grade, we had to have a conversation with my son, too, um, about him not being his father, Mm. his biological father. Um, Okay, so he thought that growing up? Yeah, growing up and him finally meeting his biological father. Um, Uh, My bad. So it's two different... Dads. Okay, okay. Yeah. So it was at that point where him and I got a chance to, like, talk. And at at the end of the day, no matter what, he would always say, you're my family, I love you. And I was like, Mm. I know, like... But we still have to make sure these guys are not going to go crazy and right. that we're not tearing them up as humans, you know, right. so they can be functioning adults as well. Right. So just talk. It takes a lot, like, no matter what, like, we will argue and yell at each other. But there was never a point that we didn't walk away and be like, okay, listen, this is what we need to do. And that's what I always loved about him because he was, at the end of the day, I had to circle always back. He's always been my friend. And so I had to always circle it back to that point. No matter how things may have ended with us, we're still friends, bottom line. What makes you friends? Like, what makes us friends, I would say, is that I was this young girl and I, all my friends are guys, and his family like took me in Mm -hmm. and and gave me a part of a life that I didn't have exposure to. And he always reminded me that like, mm-hmm. I love you. Like you're my friend, you're my blood, you're my family. And he mm-hmm. would always say that, even though I would want to have like this stank attitude about stuff, you know, cause it wasn't going my way. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I probably wasn't being reasonable at times, just being stubborn because I think just being a mommy mode of like protecting my babies, you right. know what I mean? Um, and I had to, I have to give him grace and I reflect on that now. Um, of thinking about our conversations and things that may have happened. And, and I had spoke to him recently and we were talking about me graduating from school and he was just like, Oh, you're so, so dope. Congratulations. And having those conversations with him is, is just, it's enlightening to like, we're still friends out there. We could still sit down. And if we have to, to have a slice of pizza and drink a Coke, we'll, we will be fine. We're not going to go and bite each other's neck off. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I love that. I think that's, I asked that because, when me and my child's father split, we have this desire to still be friends because we grew up together to, yeah. for some, to for, for an extent, right? Like 10 years in a relationship since your teens, right? right. Um, I mean, he's he's met my dad and none of my friends have met my dad right? Um, who has since passed. And so, um, and so, you know, I wanted, that was important to me to maintain something because we invested so much into it. But then I think we were trying to do too much. We're like, oh, we're trying, we're best friends. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? Like, why do we have to have a label? Like, what 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 are we trying to accomplish here? What's is there something else under there? So for me, you know, we had to take a step back and mm-hmm. really understand who are we as people. You know, now now that we're separated and um and what does that really look like being friends? I think we're at a point where in a way in a way that's respectful to new partners, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so for us, we had to like figure that out. I don't think we've ever spent the time to like really articulate it now, right. but we've definitely like pause on this idea like right. we're best friends but we still can send little goofy memes and right. like talk about our son and talk about other stuff like how's family how's your family oh best was you know make a little joke a little jab right. maybe um so we can still do those things and it's fine yeah. but i don't know if i now at this point i'm like we don't we don't got to be best friends but yeah. um but you guys still will have that foundation because like I, I too it's what's what's really interesting is that when i really knew that he was still my friend mm-hmm. is when my mother passed away and he like took it extremely hard and my mother loved him. 
Yeah, my mother. I'm, I'm sorry, but I would be yeah. so upset with him. And my mother was like, "He's a good dude. Be nice to him." My mom. I'm like, you can't take his side. But he like was. I thought I was like messed up, but to him, and he sat with my family. Like mm. his, he, you come, you sit with my family, and and mm. and everybody was like, "Oh gosh, female. yeah." They okay. was like, "He, he took it really, really bad." So, and we've known each other since we were fourteen years of age. Yeah, like that bonds you. Yeah, you're mm -hmm. bonded no matter what, right. and then you share this seed together. Right, and and then and then too, knowing that you know, at times like when as my daughter's growing up, Lord. I'm glad that the Lord has given me grace because she has, was not the easiest to mm -hmm. deal with. And there was times that she would talk to him and tell him things. And I felt like too, like I remember one statement he had made as I'm rearing them. He was like, well, your mother works for somebody. She doesn't work for herself. I work for myself. You don't have to go to college. And I remember that was a comment he made. And I was like, don't do that. Like, don't do that. Like, cause I, then that puts them in their puts something different in their mind that I'm, raising them differently than you how you would raise them and he would just like make statements of like you rule with the iron fist and this is it wasn't it was structure mm. he wasn't used to structure his his dad will leave to the philippines and he'll be at home in eighth grade by himself and oh, you know wow. what i mean like and his father's in a whole nother country mm. so just culturally just different mm -hmm. in regards to how you raise your children right. it, am i making sense no, 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 I get it. it's the that language like how you're articulating yes. it and yeah. making sure it's okay to identify difference, but like, right. how are you? What's the goal of even saying it? Right. Like, and make sure that's really brought along. And, right. Because yeah, you don't want your kids thinking at any point that they're not getting no. the full, mm -hmm. you know, love that they deserve. And right. Because if my daughter is venting to him, I I don't want at end of the day, and I would always tell him if she's venting to you, don't come back to me, and repeat it to me as if so she can get in trouble. But if it's something that we can work through, let's work through it. Mm -hmm. But if she feels comfortable going to you. With it, I'm okay with that. That's mm -hmm. her comfort, and I want that to be mm -hmm. her safe space. And you trust, and him. I trust. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, I, I would <laughs> hope that I could trust. Him. Right, right. <laughs> um, but and it's funny because I'm going to bring that. Up. There's a, a point yeah. that I was going to make with that. Um, so she would do that. She would try to play both sides of the field when it came to things, and she would get in trouble. And this instance was high school. She didn't get to. She didn't get to walk her senior year in high school. Oh, okay. um, she didn't pass health like three times, and I'm like. But her report card's going to her father's address. Mm. And these things, and I'm like, I need you to send the grades here. I need you to, I need to see these things. And right. But it was like, I'm going to protect her. I'm going to protect her. Mm. I'm going to protect her. From and then what? Getting getting the love and support she needs with the grades? Right, I know. And, and so, tutoring? Right. So just to me, it just didn't make sense with that. And so that was one that had like was a stinger for me because I wouldn't have handled it that way. And right. so yeah. I think, too, with... The co-parenting with me too, I think culturally is just something so different that gets in the way okay. when you have biracial children too. It's okay. just culturally that could become challenging and difficult right. to navigate that space because the views are different. Right. right. What's what's one that was extra challenging? Well, that was one is like education is major for me. It's okay. major for me because that's what got me out the hood. Um, but for them, education is not a big deal, okay. you know, because that's the norm in their family. But for me, it's like, you need to do all these strides and you need to achieve well. It's not like we're not just getting by. 
And so when they hid that from me and then I finally went to the school and got everything that I needed and the principal was like, no, I told her to call you and her grandfather paid $150 for her to do this online class and she didn't do it. That was like, I'm pissed. Oh, they've been doing, they've been working. Yeah. in the dark about like it. a critical moment. Yeah. yeah. About yeah. And I would have never done that. Yeah. yeah. I would have never done that. Right. So the product like biracial children. So it seems like, you know, you had the village. Like not village mentality, but it was a village raising these kids. Right. But typically, when you hear about biracial children, there's always some kind of negative kind of case to like they had to deal with identity issues. Did you experience that at all with uh, with your kids? Yeah, mm. but you know, my my daughter she's she's a gorgeous gal. She has thick curly red hair, um, okay. and when you see her, she doesn't look like she's black. Mm. My son, his father's black, but he doesn't look like he's black, but. It's interesting because she they went they were private school and then I let her go to public school in high school and she dealt a lot with bullying in high school. Um, she dealt a lot with oh she's not but and then my mama of course Beverly Jean had to go up to the school and then they're like whoa well, who is it's this real. it's real out here <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so um, that I I think that was extremely hard um, and then my grandmother would make comments because my kids were really tight with their dad's family. Mm -hmm. um, that's where we spent all of our holidays. That's where we did everything related oh. to family. There's more structure there. There's no aunties and uncles are not fighting each other <laughs> during mm -hmm. the holidays. Like, let's be real. You, we know how it is. Yeah. And my grandma <laughs> made comments, oh, they over there with the Filipinas. And mm -hmm. I was like, yeah, they, we are. We're over here eating this ponset and this lumpia. You want to join? It'd be those comments, though. Like, <laughs> yeah. adobo All right, you want some adobo? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll take a little. Yeah, yeah. right? Absolutely. So right. That, did your side of the family ever initiate a kind of like, why is that? Or they did they just attack you for not bringing the kids over there? I don't my I think it was just slick comments and yeah. I think too you have to look at for the fact that I'm so different from everybody so mm -hmm. I've I've taken the little I have had and said I don't want to live this way mm -hmm. and so I've always been I don't even know if the word is really should be black sheep because it's not black sheep they're really the black sheep mm -hmm. I'm the norm mm -hmm. and that's how I look at it but mm -hmm. I wasn't their norm right and so I was used to that 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 wasn't so it was like backhanded Comments, yeah, I was just yeah. like, whatever. All and right. I think <laughs> that's why as an adult now, I just be like, whatever, I will okay you and give you the deuces any minute and, right. and be okay with that. But right. I believe like, it's just, come on, we know how it can be. Like, right. it's not a secret. Right. Um, we right. deal with our own stuff within the black community, which is unfortunate. So, yeah. Right, right. Mm -hmm. um, the crab pot theory. My mom would always mm -hmm. teach me about that. Um you know, I was I was in a DEI conversation at work and I, I shared, you know, a perspective that's common around the black community and there was white tears. So now that I like I want to share what the crab pot theory is, but I'm like in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, I don't know if all my listeners are ready for certain these, some of these things. Also, don't like like airing the black yeah. dirty laundry that I for don't. people to not understand. Yeah, yeah, so I'm not yeah. going to go into that. People can do their own research. Yeah. But um, obviously, well, I don't want to also curate my content for them. The no. white audience too. So, but the, but the black audience already knows this phrase. So, right. anyway, anyway, I just want to share that thought process <laughs> that, that I just went through openly with all y'all as I was going through it. But um, I want to I want to go back a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, so when with the homework situation and any other situation, like how did you manage that? Did you got did was how did you guys solve those kind of problems between you and your co-parent? Oh, that's hard. Um, and did you? 
We didn't. Okay. Because yeah. I was the scholar and he was like, eh. Okay. You know, so he just did what he could. Um, and I just had to make sure my, I, I had to make my kids responsible, mm. if that makes sense. So you, have, you put the onus on them versus yeah. the parent tag team. Right. Yeah. I had to because I had to make sure that they got things done. And if it didn't get done and say I'm gone for a week of work of travel mm -hmm. and then they what they're not going to get a whole week of work and to travel. So at yeah. that time it's the phone calls. Right. What are you working on? Right. My son was big on picking the phone. Well, mom did it. He, he was the one that was going to tell it all. Yeah. Yeah. My, my daughter's like, I don't, I'm not doing anything. Put that mm. at the bottom of the backpack. <laughs> mm. So, but he's, and they're both extremely smart kids. Um, but he's always taken school very seriously. Like, you know, you have smart children and then you have one that just, does the bare minimum just because they don't want to put the effort into it. And then you mm -hmm. have one who was like, I, I could knock this out the park with just reading, just drifting, like skimming over the books. That's mm -hmm. my son. Like okay. he just has it like that. Okay. Um, but he's, he's been the scholar. And so I had to teach them of, and it's really interesting as, as I'm talking to you guys about these things, and I'm reflecting on it. Like, Making sure their note is it goes down to organization. Mm -hmm. Like their notebooks are organized, their okay. calendars updated. Mm -hmm. Teaches them how to take notes in their calendar mm -hmm. and putting that response, the onus on them mm -hmm. to be right. responsible for that. So then it's simple for him to say, okay, let me just look to see if it's done. Right. Of not having to do that. And if at times with my daughter, if she was needing help, well, my daughter was really good at math, so she would help my son with his math. Right. But if there was times that help was needed that was being done over the phone when I w was not around mm -hmm. so he was only res really responsible for them when I was working right otherwise in that they were always with me right. how did it, how does that make you feel that you feel like you had to brunt a lot of the heavy lifting with stuff like that I'm not bitter I think about it mm -hmm. um I think about because I as I was growing up I'm still growing up, but as I was growing up, I would, in my Bible, I wrote down the things that I want to achieve in life. There's only one thing in there that I haven't achieved yet. Which is? Marriage. Okay. That's coming. Yeah. That's coming. <laughs> but um, I made it a sacrifice for myself, no matter of me still feeling myself, filling my cup and me enjoying life and being in a sorority and doing this thing. I remember my aunt had said to me one time who helped raise me, um, I had a different life for you and when she found out I was pregnant and she's like I have this different life for you but I've lived a full life mm -hmm. I lived a full life at 42 mm -hmm. I've traveled the world mm -hmm. I've done great things I've I've done amazing things mm -hmm. um and I still love on me and I think mm -hmm. that's the most important thing wow. so as I reflect on that and I wrote the things down that I was poor it was wholeheartedly important that I brought these children into the world that I'd be a great and phenomenal mother and that was number one, hands down. So whatever sacrifice came along with that, that came along with it. Mm -hmm. Did it, did I become bitter about it? No. When my daughter, who is now just turned 25 on Monday. Um, I know. It's so She's crazy. She's a cancer? She is. Okay. Oh, like, that must have been real fun. <laughs> Mother-daughter relationships. Uh, yes. And we got the, the and water sign. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, well, she's my. I love. I love my babies, and they, they, to me, they can't do anything wrong. But they know when they've done wrong because I'm, right. I'm gonna. And I say I'm not telling you this because I want to tear you apart. I'm telling you this because I want you to become better, and right. I want you to understand. And I've always been that type of parent. If they got in trouble or got a spanking, I'm explaining to them why, what's right. going on, what oh, I did yeah. not like. So conversating through that. But as I think about with her now and her reflecting on parenting and her feeling neglected 
from having a dad, she feels she was neglected and didn't get all that she could. Like she wanted more from him. Um, I think about that. Mm. I think about like, what could we have done differently? I don't know what I could have done differently. I probably could have picked a better partner, but I was a parent at 16 years of age right. doing things I should have been doing. Um, but I think about that. Um, and I don't ever sit and say to her, well, he was horrible. Mm. I never, I you never, never have I ever bashed this man. Mm-hmm. Ever have I. And he'll call and he'll vent and I'll say, well, did you regurgitate what she said to you so you could make sure you better understood what she was saying? And he'll say, yeah, but I don't feel that it was the way. And I said, well, everybody's experience is different. So you have to honor people's experience. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can't gaslight them either. You can't tell them that, well, that wasn't your experience. You have to honor their experience and and think about it and, and see where you guys can go from there. So she feels she was cheated. He doesn't feel like he cheated in being who he could be. And sometimes as we are getting more wise, I would say, is that sometimes there's this little saying that was saying, you just got to let people meet you were there. Ex- you can't put these expectations on people. You, you have to let them meet you where they're at because they don't know how to go beyond that. Yeah. And so I'm trying to teach her that now at 25, as she's trying to navigate and she's dating and she's meeting this, these different men. And what is she looking for within these men to give mm. her, is she looking for that father figure or if she's looking for a partner, you know, right. so making sure that I work on those things. So my kids are in that space to where now you're going to start seeing my, my parenting showing up. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like in your in yeah the in your life are yeah to trees <laughs> I yeah. love that and I appreciate your I want that's a, a a topic that's come up before in other episodes which is like you know recognizing that not everyone's gonna be everything that you needed yeah. them to be like it's two it's two sides to it right like me I, now as a parent right I'm thinking okay there's how I want a parent and there's how he needs to be parented. Right. right? And, right. but we're learning, we all growing. So who knows, right. We'll right. all figure it out later. You know, I do some homework every now and then when I can, but, <laughs> um, so there's that element, but also, um, in terms of co-parenting with someone who, I mean, who's not showing up in the ways, all the ways that we always would right. wish, you know, right. um, that is really challenging, but I've heard moms, usually it's moms and it can be dads, right, too. Right. But usually it's moms where they're like, hey, you know, they they try to find peace by not pushing something like they'll, they'll state their peace. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to make you aware of the expectation um, and the desire, the wish there. Now, you know what it is. I'm communicating. Right. right. But um, it's up to you to decide whether that's how you're going to show up. Right. And then when you don't, you know, I love that you had other parts of the village to support Absolutely. the kiddos. Um, I was lucky in that department. I don't think that any. You talk about beating odds like I, I without my village, I wouldn't be who I am sitting here today. And I've had a phenomenal village. Um, so I'm very grateful more than anything. Um, and my children, like I was so young with these kids and they've helped me rear them mm-hmm. and instilled some great things into them. You know, my kids are very cultured. Like they like to eat different restaurants and different types of food. And my son wants to go have, you know, Thai tea and wants to go. Yeah, It's just like, oh, mom, you want to get Indian food? Like, do you want to, it's just the most random, but you don't get that from our kids because they're not very cultured. You know what I right, mean? But what they're exposed to. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. I was going to ask you, so who are your examples? Who are your, your mommy mentors? My mommy mentors. Yeah. Yeah. 
I thought about that. Um, so, you know, the most important years of your life was what to age six. Mm. I would, li- I look like for that developmental developmental. Yeah. And, um, Really? It is? Yeah. Yeah, oh, when wow. you form your identity. Yeah. You've really? already figured I like formed okay. yeah. six. Certain parts of your identity by yeah. six. Six yeah. six seven is this mm-hmm. what they say they're most important times of your life. And um rest in heaven to my mother, like irregardless of her not being there after the fact. Um I I lived with my mother till I was six years of age. Mm-hmm. And I could paint days, outfits, memories of things that we did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am who I am in regards of how I put myself together because of my mother. Um, the way my, my style, my swag, the way I speak, um, is because of my mother. I would say that as I had to move into the home of living with my grandmother, there was a lot of chaos and disorganization. So how I navigated that, I spent a ton of time at the boys and girls club. And so they were gentlemen who were influences in my life not women who are influenced in my life and so they're the ones that I was always on top of my homework what did you need how was school my godfather Mm -hmm. whatever I need made sure I had um and then I had another gal who was like 18 years old I would go to church with her and her family Um, but my grandmother was working and trying to take care there was eight of us that she was raising um and then finally I got to move with my aunt and so that was another example later in high school that I got to see. But I would say who I am as a woman, it's all from the beginning of, of seeing the things I didn't want to be, mm-hmm. but also the rearing of like how my mother loved on me until she was dealing with her battling drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, and no matter what, this is crazy to say this too, is that my mother would always say um, to me, you're my number one girl. Like the way you treat your children, the way you raise your kids, I wish I was that mother. And I was like, well, I only know what's in me it's in me, not on me. Like it's, mm. it's from you. You may not have been able to give those things to me how you would have liked, but I picked up on the things, how you, and what you did when I was a little girl. Like there's, my mother always had us decked out. You know how we had the Pat mother shoes, Bobby socks, the dresses, everything, <laughs> the nicest things. Yeah. Um, but in those teenage years, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't, I had her, but I didn't have her because there was, she was on drugs. She couldn't be the mom that she needed to be. And so my grandmother was in, but it was more of like just the community. The community okay. raised me. Okay. Yeah. So I, I want to go back because my, my mom had me when she was 15. Mm-hmm. And I talked to my mom about what her mindset was. Mm-hmm. And she always told me, you know, I didn't want you to have without. By mm-hmm. hook or by crook, I didn't want you to have without because you're my baby, you're my son. Mm-hmm. What was your mindset like when you learned at 16 I'm pregnant. Ooh, I know. And I was, <coughs> I was a, a good kid. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I graduated top 10% of my high school class still. Wow. Still. <laughs> Man, Laquana, still. I can't with you. This you go to so Garfield good. and you see the Garfield Golden Grad, you'll see Laquana Cooper up there. Okay. I left to Seattle U with a, a lot of scholarship money too. Yeah. Well. yeah. So, um, it was more to me when I found out I was pregnant. I was just like, "Whoa, I can't get I can't get an abortion." And I found out, which is the most craziest thing. I, I just told somebody this the other day. I found out I was pregnant in the gymnasium in the bottom of the gymnasium of Garfield when they had the Planned Parenthood. 
So you know the Planned Parenthood will they come into the school. They had a Planned Parenthood in the high school. Yeah, yeah they in had the one basement. in Franklin too. Yeah, yeah, there was a lot of Planned Parenthoods in high school yeah. in Seattle. In the basement of the gymnasium, mm-hmm. they were down there, and I found out I was pregnant. They did a wow. physical exam on me, and I hit it. How long? I was six months when my aunt found out I was pregnant, and she found out I was pregnant because my brother called mm-hmm. and I'm said Laquana's pregnant, and she walked in my room and I was naked and my belly was big. But wow. I dressed like a boy, so nobody knew anything. Oh, the baggy clothes. I was like, you're <laughs> oh, yeah. Anybody, anybody mm-hmm. No. Um, and so at that point, I was just like, I don't even have to hide it no more. So I felt good at that. But I, I have been, this is, and I will say this, is, this is, I don't know how I've done this. God, I, I, that's what I'm going to say. Just, just say God. I've never been on assistance before in my life. Wow. Hmm. You was like you took that as a personal challenge. Like I refuse. <laughs> that was that's it. why I was like it's funny you said so, that. Like no, we're yeah. not doing that. <laughs> so the thing was is so when I had my daughter, I was pretty much done with high school. So I did run and start. So mm-hmm. I was only doing two classes just so I could mm-hmm. stay in school, doing classes. And I was in beauty school. This is a mm-hmm. lot to me. <laughs> yeah, stay um, busy. And I said I'm going to work, and so I worked. And then I had my daughter's family helped. We okay. didn't. We've never were on. State assistance, okay, ever, Community. which is yeah. Um, okay. But that was a personal goal of mine. It's like I'm not gonna rely on nobody to do anything for me. I'm gonna take care challenge. of my own. <laughs> oh, I, I would, I still challenge people. Yeah. Look yeah. at me. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I do. I challenge everything. I don't. I'm, I'm not settling. I'm not taking the backseat to anything. Nothing is not undoable to me. Um, you could say, okay, I couldn't get that done. That's fine. I'll go. I'll go get it done. I could figure out how to get it done. That's just who I am. I'm persistent. I'm just a go-getter. I know how to navigate. No, it's not, doesn't exist in my, in my world. So, um, yeah, I just, I just, it was like, this is what, this is what we're doing. Oh, okay. So we're going to have this baby. All right. Then Mm -hmm. this is what we got to do. You need to get a job. And he had to go work at, was it Papa Murphy's? That's where they do the the cold pizzas at. Is that Papa Murphy's? I think so. That's Papa Murphy's. He was a barber. So he made money doing, being a barber. And then he worked at Papa Murphy's. And then I did school. At school and I worked. I worked at the Gap. I worked at Old Navy. I worked at Nike Town. Like I had jobs. Yeah. And I worked. And there was times that, and it's funny because my aunt. I. It was another point I had to prove. She was never gonna watch my baby because mm-hmm. she was more embarrassed that I was pregnant than anything and it was like i have all these things for you that i wanted you to achieve i was like bet then i will never you'll never be able to open your mouth to say you've done anything but house me as your foster child like that's all you will ever say you've mm-hmm. never would say you've took care of my daughter you would never say these are decisions i decided to make i will be wholeheartedly 100 percent responsible for them and i'm okay with that and if i needed a babysitter she had her dad she had her grandpa she had her aunties. She had her uncles. Nice. Did Life that was good. morph? Did that dynamic morph with you and your aunt? No, like we're still, um, and we're. It's funny because we're in the same industry, so our relationship is very different. I think when my mother passed away, um, we we were more in a better talking terms. But I think I'm just one. If if you will know one thing about me, I have this thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that I don't have a forgiving heart because I do have a forgiving heart. But when you say certain things, mm-hmm. I'm because I've grew up in so much chaos. If you say something to me, I will remember something you've said to me the exact day, what you had on, and you would totally forget about it. So it's the 20%, not the 80% that I will always remember. And I just don't unswitch it. I can't. I don't know how to unswitch it. I feel it. 
because of the emotional impact the words have on you. So yes. it's, it's hard to forget how somebody makes you feel. feel. And you Always. used it maybe to As feed mm-hmm. where you are now. Exactly. So it, it, it played a role and yeah. you leveraged it to feed, you know, your drive. Yep. Um, so I, I, I can understand that. Yeah. Um, I would say I've been told something similar. Um, I, when I found out I was pregnant, you would think I was 16. I was 22, 23. Oh, wow. But my family was like, but I thought you're going to go to grad school. How could you be pregnant? You're not married. Like yeah. I had, you know, my yeah. eldest saying that mm-hmm. I was like, I can still go to grad school. Right. I was already starting to talk to, um, I was interested in medical school at the time, mm-hmm. but I, I was already talking to women who were pregnant in middle, medical school, things like that. Like I was right. already doing my homework. Right. I was already doing all the things, already doing all the research. But I like what you said also about like, you know, First of all, now I'm going to do it even more right mm-hmm. now. I ended up finding other ways to make six right. figures and help people exactly. and like not have to break my back doing it. Exactly. Um, but I will say, yeah, that that fed me. I was like, what? Of course, I can still go to grad school. Exactly. What, what, what do y'all think? I don't know what time you guys grew up in, but like with the right attitude, the right resources and the right fire within you. Right. right. You're going to figure it out. And I think a lot of black mothers have demonstrated that time and time again. Mm-hmm. And it only gets better. I know. It's like, what times did you grow up in? Like, absolutely not. So, yeah, no, it just fueled me. It's just, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of complicated. It's good. Not yeah. really. You had a desire. You had a, you had a mission. You had a fire. That's not really complicated right. at all. And you had a vision for, the, uh, like, a lifestyle that you wanted. Based on the conversation we just had, mm-hmm. you knew what you wanted your kids to have, and there was nothing that was going to stop you. Oh, absolutely not. That's not complicated. The, like that part, but yeah. I know the process was, right. but just the mission. And but, nothing yeah. gets in the way of that. So, yeah. and that included family. So at the time too, I, my younger siblings moved in with me. So not only did I have my two kids, mm-hmm. I had my younger siblings. Oh, so you was raising everybody. Pretty much. But okay. as soon as <laughs> they thought they were going to bring chaos into my home and disrupt my children's world, mm-hmm. I love you, but you have to go back to your grandmother's house. Oh. And, and so I've always lived in a separate world of my family. Like, not really with my family, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like, cause I protected my children. Like I was like, it's just us. We right. gonna make this work. If it, if it only at the end of the day, is just three of us. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that's going to get in the way of making sure that you guys have the best that I can give you. And I will give you the best. Right. And I will have that expectation of you in return to do your best because I'm giving you the best that I can. Mm -hmm. Giving you the best that I got. (laughs) I love that. So why are you so different from your family? I was about to ask the same question. My my question, the variation of that was, do you think that's where the separation of communication with you and your family comes from? Because you had that fire like, I got to get it. And they just never took time to understand that about you. Yeah, I, I feel like as as um, we all got older, because there was eight of us that lived with my grandmother. Um, I remember as we got older and life started looking different for me and they started noticing life was different for me. I would always get, oh, but everybody treated you better. Oh, you're the light skinned one. Oh. Oh. And it wasn't that everybody treated me better. I think that I always got the brunt in because I, I would get called white girl at home. So you had your own tr- unique trauma yeah. that you I remember with. one day, I kid you not, and it's funny because I've never told anybody this story, but I remember we lived in um, the Bryant Manor, 19th and Yesler. So we played out, outdoors before the lights. You know how that mm-hmm. went. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember I, had my, I have an aunt who's not that much older than me. So my grandmother had y- younger children too. And I remember one day, I don't know what had happened. All I remember is that she came in the house and like I was asleep, pulled me off the couch and like, like slammed me back on the couch. 
and she was upset at me. And then they would call me, call me white girl all the time. And you never knew why she did that? She was angry about something that so I had she just, did. And she just slammed you. Yeah. Yeah. So she's only like not that much older than me. And it's funny because I like growing up my mother. She ended up moving with my mother. Um, she was younger, living with my mother. I helped her a lot out with her kids. So I dealt with different things within my own family, but I just knew I was just so determined. Like I worked at the CAY at the farmer's market mm -hmm. when I was younger so I could buy sneakers and do different stuff. Granted, my grandmother would do those things for us. Like back in the day when you could write the note with the Norseman's car and say, they're allowed to buy oh, a pair throwback. of K-Swiss. <laughs> throwbacks. Yeah. Right. So we could do that. But I always wanted more. I always knew like if you're walking out of your community and your mother is high and on the streets in the morning, you're at your school bus stop. Like I almost got kidnapped once, like just oh, all these wow. different things. And so I've just always made it determined that I want that. I want that right there. Okay. How do I need to get that? Mm -hmm. Okay. And I'm going about the right way to do it. Like I'm not selling myself to get anything. I, I by no, no means like. Right. I know. I heard Quan Quan, the street hustler on the street. <laughs> hey, you might need her. Quan Quan. <laughs> Pharmaceuticals. Yeah, right. Okay. Right. <laughs> I, I tell people that too. I was like, so drugs for a living. They'd be like, oh, I was like, no, I'm just joking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I've just been determined. I just, yeah. I've just been different. Mm -hmm. And I question that because my cousins that I grew up with, one is deceased. My sister's been murdered. Mm. My younger brother's in and out of prison. My other brother that is underneath me, we're close, but you know, he has alcohol problems. Mm. It's not ideal for me because I'm, I'm used to like when Easter comes, everybody gets together and we do those things. And so now with my children being gone, and my daughter was like, I'm not coming there, mom. You could come here. She does not want to come Where back. Where is she at? She's in Las Vegas now. Oh, okay, cool. But cool, she cool. had went to LA and then COVID moved to Las Vegas. That's like a whole nother story. No, but Las Vegas too hot. Yeah. It's too dusty. It's so hot. <laughs> it so was in dusty the... and dirty. I can't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was hot. I worked there last week. So I covered the territory. So I worked there. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So cool. we get to spend time together then. But when holidays come, I don't have the dynamic that I had growing up to work. Mm -hmm. There were so many kids. Right. Um, but knowing you, you'll figure it out though. Listen, <laughs> you'll well, thanks to you too. You know, oh. listen, all you gotta do is you tell me, I need to meet somebody. You tell me, somebody, yeah, I'll that's make exactly. Way. Yes. Building so. community. Yeah. So I, and I miss those dy dy dynamics of big family events, but, um, I don't get to do those like now. However, they do have those events, mm -hmm. but I'm just not going. Yeah. It's just, I feel like you gotta pick and choose just because you go anywhere. doesn't mean you go everywhere. No. Yeah. No, right. no, right. it's just too much chaos for me. And I learned we had a family reunion and my kids were younger. This is when they found out they pretty much like knew I was pregnant with my son because mm -hmm. my family didn't know. And so I had went and it was so chaotic. I had to get in the shower and I literally like was in tears and mm -hmm. I was like, I can't do it. It's mm -hmm. not. This is what I've built myself to not be around. This is how mm -hmm. I built my house. Like my house is like peaceful. My mother would always say, I come to your house. It's so peaceful here. It's so quiet. Mm -hmm. My cousins come, and if my cousin, she comes and dog sits for me. And I just told her, you can stay however. If Sean's away from school, you can sleep in his room. You could just stay whatever. But it's just quiet. She always said, it's just so peaceful, so quiet. But that's how I like to live my life. Yeah, because Simplicity. you're out here going to war with the, like, war with the world. You got to yeah. have some kind of. Yeah. 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 So I'm big on that. So your that. story, I know we're not, I'm not trying to end it. I'm just saying, but I'm just, I don't have to say this, but your story is very inspiring right now. Like, you're really hitting me in my heart right now, dude. Oh, thank like, you. Like, you really are, like, the fact that you grew up in the CD, too. And, yeah. And 16, yeah. like, you refused to. I refused like, to lose. Refused. Right. Like, from the rip. Yeah. Right. Know, under all the right. circumstances. Yeah. So, matter of fact, okay, another question with that. What's the most annoying misconception people have about you? 
do we even care? But go ahead. For the for the, for the, audience, <laughs> for the, for the like, people. Forget those people, but also yeah, I'll give ahead. you I'll give you something. Here's a piece to share. Um, I might be looked at as being selfish by some, mm-hmm. and I will say this. For those who may feel that I might be selfish with my time, my energy, my space, that's because they're at war with themselves. That's not mm-hmm. my problem. It's not your and so when it comes to boundaries and set norms with those relationships, I will honor by any means how you feel. You feel that way? I honor that. I am not trying to change your mind on that by no means. And I'll let you sit with that. But what I will say to you is, my boundaries are my boundaries. I live within peace. My aunt goes, you always try to live life safe. No, it's not safe. Mm. It's controlling the chaos. I grew up in the household where there was screaming and yelling all day. I am not taking that. I'm not mm-hmm. taking drama, mm-hmm. whether it's from friends, siblings. I don't do it. You want to talk about resolutions and how we can make it better? Hit me up anytime. Right. But when you want some other stuff and you think, oh, you're just selfish and self-centered, you take that because I have boundaries and I have norms. We don't know how to set boundaries and norms. Right. And when you learn how to set boundaries and norms, then you will respect that. And you'll be like, well, and I will say, unfortunately, it's on my capacity. I can't, I can't handle that. And so I just step back. I go back into my Homer Bush. Mm-hmm. Remember that. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I think one of the things I've had to or not had to but the one of the ways I think about boundaries and try to help bring people along the boundaries because it does feel like oh a boundary you've pushed me out somehow I can have full access to you people feel a way about that right Mm -hmm. which is like okay why do you feel a way right that's on them like you said but you know um I want to know my friend's boundaries because I want to know how to love you the way you want to be loved right and I want to and that's important to me and I feel like if you really love someone you want to know those boundaries um and you want to respect those um and it's not hard to respect those, right? No. It shouldn't be if you if you truly love them. If, you, if you're needing something from that relationship that you're not getting there, you know, it's not on them to figure that no. out for you. Like, go f- get, fill your cup somewhere else, and maybe it's in, t- in you. You need to go fill that cup with you, right? Exactly. Um, you don't need to look outwardly, um, put that on you to fill that, so. And it's not selfish either. It's so not. People take and it. And if it, what's wrong with, but it's selfish bad. I, I listen, all my life I have been selfless, selfless. as I became and with, with, with my children, I had to become selfish because I had to protect them mm-hmm. and protect what we had so that I could make sure I could rear them the right way. Mm-hmm. I couldn't keep doing this because I kept doing this and let everybody come stay with me. And then my ch- I would have lost my children. Mm-hmm. And so anything that came in to disrupt our norms right. was not allowed right. at our residence. Right. And so I will let I will take you in, house you, feed you for a little bit, but that's temporary. That's mm-hmm. not a long term thing because my children, this is their their right. their their place that they need to be at peace, and I won't let anything get in between that. And that's one thing that they will always say. So people would say, "Oh, she's just selfish." But then too, then on the other hand, they'd be like, "Oh, she does everything for everybody. She's so loving." It's like pick what side of the fence that you want to be on. Right, which Right, which one's convenient yeah, for you? Exactly. Not Absolutely. for the situation that no. you need me that I said no for. No. Right. So I wanted to ask both of you guys this question regarding boundaries, right? Do you feel like people are afraid to establish boundaries due to offending somebody? Most definitely. And I will mm-hmm. tell you, that is like my new high. I have been establishing boundaries. Like, I will set these norms. <laughs> yeah. I have some people pissed you with me right you now. <laughs> Listen, everybody is going to get them because <laughs> I am trying to be at peace with myself. I'm right. trying to protect my energy. Mm-hmm. I'm dealing with grief myself. I got to mm-hmm. protect that space that I'm trying to navigate. Mm-hmm. Um, and with me finishing 
in grad school and that coming off that high end and now going back into my grief and dealing with the highs and lows of that, I just don't have the time to right. deal with other people and what they got going on. Got so unfortunately, on. boundaries are being set. I love you. If you want to sit down and go have a cocktail right. and talk about something else other than what you got going on that's not interesting to me, mm. then we could do that. Right. But You might get this boundary, though. But oh, <laughs> no, yeah. you, gonna get, you will get, get this boundary. This boundary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I love it. I think I've gotten better at setting boundaries for sure. I didn't learn until the last few years that I had some people-pleasing yeah. tendencies. And I saw that as, I think as a black woman, as women of color, we're there definitely expected. And as moms, oh my God. Yes. It's stacked against us to not set bounds there's an expectation exactly. if you set a boundary you're a bad mom right there's yeah. this idea that you taking care of yourself having needs and then going fulfilling those right. is a bad thing because you should be suffering you yeah. should be like suffering as a mom if you're a good soft mom you should be suffering air. that's what i'm living in what's what soft girl what is that soft girl uh, yes, yes i'm, soft I'm girl. done being a survivor okay. i'm off of my destiny's child we are not doing that yeah. we are living in a soft girl i have worked my rear end off my children yes, are out have. of my home i still get to love them and do all the fun things with them mm -hmm. but now i'm in a space that i get to really do the things i didn't get to do because i was such a young mom mm -hmm. and um i'm living a soft ass life i don't i don't have time and i will not be living in survival mode soft girl era i've never yes. heard of that <laughs> well today's a new day, a new day. <laughs> yes yeah. luxury it looks good on you yeah travel all the things yes. peace of mind yes. so what are those things to establish this soft girl girl era that, you, that you're in right now get going to the gym in the morning like we talked about earlier okay. so taking care of self eating healthy Mm -hmm. feeling good, looking good. My grandmother always said, you feel good, you look good. Mm -hmm. So doing those things, taking care of myself. Yeah. Um, traveling. Right now, I'm just big on my travel. It, Oh, my. It, you just got to do it. <laughs> and I'm not talking about you're not going to, to go take your little Miami trips or your little Vegas trips. Uh, yeah, yeah. Go see the world. Yeah. Because it will buckle you and put you to your knees. There's more than what's around this. Mm -hmm. And Thank the way goodness. they function they function with so bare minimum and the way they love on each other mm -hmm. and way family, they take care of each other. Like that's just where I'm at. So I just decided that during COVID, like I literally was traveling. That's where my big traveling started was during COVID because we could work remote. So I was everywhere using my miles, using my timeshare, doing all these little crazy things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. But once you learn, learn the exchange of the dollar too, and you pay attention mm -hmm. to what's going on and you know that our dollar goes so far. So you and I could I'm a, listen, I like nice things, but a girlfriend could live in a backpack, too. So I'm OK with that. But you could go. I went to Ghana. I didn't even spend much money in Ghana going to Ghana. Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to spend a ton of money and I didn't, mm. you know, so the exchange of the dollar goes so far. And because I travel so much for work, I have the the blessings to have miles and utilize my miles. Like I'm literally flying to India for ninety nine dollars. Yes, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> The, hell? <laughs> the only ticket I paid for was in between leaving India to go to Dubai. Okay. So I did my miles going to India and then leaving Dubai. Okay. 99 bucks, baby. So uh, Laquan, when's miles? your book coming out? Yeah. Why does everybody keep asking me that? That would be good. <laughs> you, got you are not the first person that has said that to me. You have, you have a book. So I write or children's two. books. So I'm a children's book writer as well. So... I recognize a good book when I see it. So you have a book. No, you got a series. Yeah. With the whole politician pose. You're making pose, me blush. The whole politician pose where you sit like this in the back of the book. <laughs> I, I love it. Like, yeah, I that. love it. 
you know, let's talk. Yeah. Like, you're not the first person that have said this to me. I, I feel like once people really, truly get to know who I am, I, and I don't live imposter syndrome at all. I just, I come mm. to the gym, we talk, we have good mm. conversation. Um, But I've been through some shit. That's why you need a book, bro. I know, but yeah. I don't <laughs> share it. I just, just do life. Like, mm. I don't, I and, and that's why I'm able to do life, because I don't use it as a, but I've been through all these bad things. Right. You know, right. I don't do that. Like, right. um, you are not the first person to have, this is God. Yeah, no, because here's why. Your message is going to be a seen, seen by a finite amount of people when you're saying it. Your book is going to be able to share your message with people that you'll never get to see in real life. And think about how many young girls right now who just find out they're pregnant at 15, 14, 16 years old, and they're being told, oh, you're going to be a statistic. Oh, your life is over. Or you're going to be just like your mama, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And they read your book, and you just got a graduate's degree. I did, I did. So that let them know, no, it's going to be harder, but it's not over. Right. And this is where the steps I took, this is where I had to overcome, to overcome that message too. Because you think about today's time of like social media and bad advice, everybody's getting told, especially young black girls all the yeah. time, you can't do this, you're not supposed to do that, you're, you're not meant for that. But the fact that you showed this story that you were 16, grew up in the hood, mama was, you know, on drugs and like whatnot, and now you're in pharmaceuticals. Yeah. With two babies. Yeah. Out there and about living a soft girl era. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, come on. All that's, the way, baby. That's a, that's a book. <laughs> right. But I do I do want you to take time to decide, like, like you were saying, like, oh, I don't I don't do this for that. I don't share my story yeah. and decide, like, okay, is that what I want to do? What why right. would I write a book? Right. You know, what do I get? So yes, you could inspire others, which is amazing, and that's right. a very noble thing to do. But also you don't have to do it that way. Yeah. So you can decide what would resonate for you. Right. But if you said this is a so many other people have told you about a book. Come on now. I know. You're not the first. When you said that, I was like, okay. Come that just now. made my stomach hurt. Come on. Oh, I mean, really? Do it. Yeah. What, why? Tell me. Yeah. Just because I feel like God has something big for me right now. And I feel it in my bones. Like, I feel going to get mm. choked up. Let's go. Um, <laughs> I love a good tear. Yeah. Like, I just put myself through freaking an executive MBA program. That shit was not easy. I was the only black woman in that program. Not very many black people go through Seattle U's executive MBA program. Mm -hmm. um, I put myself through that and walked out of it with no debt. Wow. Like, I just, I feel like God- From Seattle U? From Seattle U. From Seattle U. Like, I just feel like God is, I don't know what he's doing right now to me, for me, in me. I'm receiving all that he's giving me. And I've had numerous people that keep asking me, like, when are you going to write a book for the ones who truly know my story? Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm, 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 I'm growing up and I'm figuring out who this 30, this, excuse me, 42 year old young girl is really and what she can share um, with the world. And it just kind of shook me. So thank you. Absolutely. We could talk about it afterwards. Cause yes. I, yeah. So we could talk about it. <laughs> no, you definitely Sydney, who is he? Jeffrey's great. <laughs> He's a good friend. He a good friend. He's got good yeah. ideas and yeah. he knows a good story. Yeah. So definitely fought with him. Yeah. yeah for sure. You yeah, no, it. I'm just in the space. So I'm just really blessed, even for the fact though, too, Sydney, with meeting you at the gym, you introduced me to Josh and Oh yeah. And yeah, introducing to Osborne yeah. and them to helping take care of me while I was in Africa. Like it's just it's important that my network 
looks the way it does and mm. how it's been forming. Not only does it expand, but it's also quality. Like, yeah. Quality. It's a reflection of you. And you are highly favored. Like it's radiating off of you. So I feel it. And your message is clear and it's powerful enough. That's why the these type of people keep coming around you because your message is clear and it's powerful. It's like, oh, we need to attach ourselves to that because this sister's going somewhere. Or she's trying to do something. So let me give her my resources to help her along her journey. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, in 2012, I was a keynote speaker for the boys and girls club annual auction. So you can watch that. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> we got to get, now you got this, you got this podcast. <laughs> now I have this. So this is a second. Second. thank you second. for being thank here. You. So, thank you for thinking of me. So of thank you so much. Charlie. I knew you had a great story. I'm glad I got to hear more and I'm glad we got, yeah. we allowed ourselves to hear it raw and fresh in this moment yes. you know so thank you for opening up thank you you're such an inspiration like i can't wait to continue our relationship yes. and this book yeah, this <laughs> so I have one last question yes um, one last question so you mentioned the boys and girls club yeah and you mentioned the village mm-hmm. how critical is it to have help because there's this narrative that's like, I don't need nobody. I can do that's it all by true. myself. Right. But there's like, it's that, it's this messaging. Right. Like, I don't need nobody. I can do it by myself. Mm-hmm. But you clearly gave kudos to every single person along the way. It's like, no, it would be hard if I didn't have uh, right. my co-parents, family in the, right. in the corner, the boys and girls club, like these gentlemen, like my godfather and all this stuff. Right. So how, why are people saying they don't need help when clearly help helps? Right. <laughs> I think that too, People who say that they don't need help don't have clear direction of what they truly want either. So then it's more of you facing the music of what it looks like and what you have to go through to get to where you're at. A lot of people don't want to do the fight to get there. So they make this excuse that I don't need help because then it sets a stage of expectation of what the hurdles you have to go through to get through. It's not a straight line. Right. And everybody wants that straight line. So when they say, oh, I don't need help, it's probably because they want to hide and not do the work that they need to do. I'm going to say, listen, I need some help. This right. is what it looks like. This right. is where I'm trying to go. And pride gets in the way. Right. Pride. And pride, what they say about pride? I, mean, I don't you, know, but it ain't it too, will, it ain't too good, good all the time. Pride yeah. before the fall. Not yeah. that helpful. So you have yeah. to be willing to receive the help, even though you might stumble and fall and pick yourself up. I don't care how many times you got to pick up yourself through the process of it. You still have somebody that's going to help pick you up. Right. And and then also the relationships and the quality of the relationships right. that you have along the way to receive those help. It's very, very important because you could have people that those people might have been burned on the other end, too, of others right. trying to help them because they had a motive and they wanted something out of it. Right. So your discernment just has to be on point. And I right. just always for some odd reason, I've just had this discernment since I was a little girl. Like I could read people. I know people. And if I feel energy or feel something about you, I'm not I'm not fucking with you. Like right. I just I cut it off. So people say that I think and my son has said this one day. My son plays basketball and he's been navigating this juco market of playing basketball. And now he has a couple of schools that are talking to him. But I remember having this conversation with him is more of just pride of sitting down and saying to him, you need to humble yourself and smell yourself because mm. you do need help. And you talk about how you don't need help. Everything in life is a network. It's mm-hmm. a business. Someone knows someone. Mm-hmm. It's a tipping point, the right. connecting that's going on. And so you have to be willing to bear all that's going to come along with that. And be wanting to arise above that to even receive that help. That's so anybody cool. who's denying the help, they're not ready for the change. Right. So mm. be ready for that, cool. and you will accept that you will accept the help. Absolutely. Right. Right. And I love what you said earlier in that message too. 
Because I know there's people who don't say they don't want help. It's just because they've been getting it from the wrong people. Right. They, they don't have trust. You know, I'm going to do it by myself. Then. Right. Um, and like I, like you said, that discernment can solve that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's just all. It's just it's everything that I, I think that just as us as humans, as our people, we just there's a lot that we need to help with our healing so that we could become better within our space. Absolutely. Um, because there's been just it's it, I don't get me on the history thing, but it goes back so far that we're just we're, we have to break those chains and continuously have our children break those chains. So that story just starts looking different. What's as we part and close close up shop here, what's one thing that you would recommend people explore to help with their healing journey that's helped you? Ooh, have you said by yourself for a very long time? Mm. Have you? Absolutely. I'm the only child. I love sitting by myself. Uh, <laughs> have you sat with yourself for a long time? Mm-hmm. Do you know how, you know what you can hear when you're sitting by yourself for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's too many of us who, when we're going through things in life that we trauma bond. Mm. And trauma bonding is not you sitting with yourself and hearing the music. And we have to learn how to face ourselves and be ready for what that truly looks like so we can face it. It, it, It's being accountable for bringing yourself some of the things that you have been dealing with. Um, And then also having someone to speak with, whether that you consider that your therapist Mm -hmm. or your special someone. But Mm -hmm. I say number one starts with sitting within solitude and finding that stillness and sitting with yourself so you can hear that. Not just for a minute. Or three no. minutes, like a long period of time. It's a long period of time. Of time. Like, and it comes with sacrifice. Like. Yeah, it comes with sacrifice. And you, the discernment becomes so heavy. Eating clean mm. becomes so, like you start, you're like, oh no, this is not what I'm doing. Right. And it's just part of you just taking care of yourself, pouring into yourself. Mm. You start making different decisions. Different things start happening. You start losing friends. Yeah. It's okay though. It's part of growth. Oh, thank you so much no for being here. <laughs> I'm sure we, some people are feeling healed or heard or seen right now listening to this. So check thank out Laquana's book here. in 2025. It's yes. Be 2025. <laughs> yes. The Tales of the Coop. The Tales of the Coop. <laughs> right. Quan, Quan, oh, we got a title. You heard it first right here. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you.